Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. Hey everybody, excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. We got an awesome guest today. He's a family man, business entrepreneur, Dan Willis. We get into his story. It's pretty awesome. Make sure you listen to it till the end. You get a lot of value from it. Today's episode is going to be, let me read out this week's review. This comes from Tara Oldridge. She's awesome. Had her on the show as well. I love this guy. Super connected. Very thoughtful. You'll love this cast. I appreciate you, Tara. That was awesome. That came in April 22nd. She's an amazing person with doing some amazing stuff. So thank you so much, Tara. As always, guys, I'm going to read out your reviews. I'm going to go through all of them. I'm going to do one before and after. So keep them coming in. If you want it read out, well, you got to send it in. So hit that subscribe button. Send a five-star review. Let us know what you like, who you want to see, who impacted you. Really appreciate you. We'll get right into Dan Willis right away. Quick word from our sponsor. How would you like to make direct impact of our youth today? So important, right? Well, here's your chance. It's called Aprons for Gloves. What this is, is this is a nonprofit organization created by the Eastside Boxing Club. The whole mission of this is in the community to help improve lives and build community through boxing, right? By having um, a space that supports these members and community involvement, the participants get to collaborate in these different fundraising campaigns so that we can actually see how this impacts the youth, which is really cool. The four programs that are going to be offered, after-school boxing program for the at-risk youth, young adults class for youth working to improve their mental health, free self-defense for females, and number four will be moms and tots program. Really awesome thing. So how this works is the event itself is going to be called the Restaurant Rumble. Now, this has been going on for eight years, and it's been growing. It's going to be at the Commodore Ballroom, August 20th. So people that work in the bar industry, restaurant industry, past or present, decide they get together and they commit for three months to train at Eastside Boxing Club while raising money. Now the goal is to hit 2000 bucks. Once you hit 2000 bucks, you qualify for a fight. Okay. And depending on how well you've done and how much effort you put in, you may get a contender fight. So I've decided to do this. It's crazy. I know. I, I was just like, wow. When I heard this at first, I said, I didn't know if I wanted to do it, but now I'm doing it and it's amazing. And it's just such a good cause. It goes with my cause with University of Adversity, making impact. And that's what I want to do. I want to give, make impact and do so many things for the youth. It's just, this is a perfect starting point for me and I'm so excited about it. So what I'm going to do is putting on, I'm going to be raising the money. Hopefully you guys will want to donate. I'm going to be giving this shout out every single episode until August 20th. I'm going to be putting on an event, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to update this as we go on, but The main thing here is this is a great cause. A lot of times growing up, we would have gotten into trouble. I know myself, if I didn't have sports, if I didn't have hockey, soccer, all these things, or at least mentors or people offering these programs, then I would have gotten into trouble, right? Because a lot of times you get into trouble when you have too much time on your hands. These young minds wander, right? And you just want to, you don't have an outlet. And giving this this outlet is going to create discipline, going to teach them about nutrition, There's so many amazing things. And at the same time, we get to train for an amazing cause and raise money. So there's going to be a link. There's a link in my link tree, guys. Please donate. I really, really appreciate it. This is for the kids. And I'm going to share this journey. As you guys probably know, 
you're going to be seeing all kinds of different stuff happening with transformation and stories and videos on my Instagram and Facebook. So it's really exciting. So I hope you guys will join me for this ride and donate Aprons for Gloves 2019 for the Restaurant Rumble. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest has had to endure one of the most heart-wrenching moments imaginable and is a true testimony to overcoming adversity. On a daily basis, he brings as much value to the marketplace as possible and helps teach companies on how to best use digital content, advertising to help build an authentic and genuine brand. He has helped companies such as H&M, Toyota, Fox TV, and has been noted as a top 100 keynote speaker to watch for in 2019. Super excited to have him on, his wisdom, and to dive into his story. So Dan Willis, welcome to the show, brother. How's it going, man? Yeah, so good, man. Thanks for uh, coming in and hanging out with us for a bit. Super stoked to hear your your story and your journey and, you know, what you've gone through is pretty, pretty tough and pretty um, inspiring as well. So maybe let's just take us back a little bit, go as far as you want and sort of paint us a picture of your story on kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So everybody knows that promise of, you go into life and you're this cute kid and then you grow up a little bit and you go to college and then you meet the wife of your dreams and have some kids and work a job and then die. And it's a wonderful life. And that's the promise. Well, what I did instead was I grew up in a wonderful home and then decided to piss it all away, become a bit of a drug addict, live on the streets, almost die a few times, found my wife, thankfully, and decided it was a good idea to uh, have a child at a wedlock as a teenager. That was a really great plan. And uh, then dive into life headfirst without a high school diploma. So really just take that whole promise, flip it on its head and say, well, no, I'm just going to do everything the wrong way first. But sometimes things work out in a funny way. And my wife was amazing. She stayed with me. We built a wonderful little family. I started a business as an entrepreneur, helping businesses figure out how to market effectively. Everything kind of looked up on the up and up. And and from there, it really just took off. We built a bigger family, started engaging with more businesses, built some traction. And that was really awesome. And it seemed like all the adversity was kind of behind us. And then we just got hit out of left field with something pretty powerful. Yeah. I don't know how comfortable you are with going into this story, but I would love if you could kind of tell us what happened because that was obviously most human beings don't have to go through that and most people would never want to, but maybe just tell us a little bit of what happened and kind of how that impacted you moving forward. Yeah. So I never like to take away from the story as hard as it is just because without it, I wouldn't be who I was today. That's really why I love this podcast because that, that idea of adversity being the driver, it's so true. So what we're tiptoeing around here is our third daughter was born. No problems, no complications. But at three months old, I hopped into a shower after a day of work, came back out, and she had passed away from SIDS, which for, for those of you that don't know, it's just sudden infant death syndrome. Nothing happened. There was nothing wrong. She just passed away. But I came out from the shower, found her passed away. And for unfortunate reasons, paramedics couldn't get to us for about a half hour. So I had to deliver CPR. Suffice it to say that's hard for any dad to go through. Really shook me, broke my wife, broke me. And you can imagine how you really got two ways that you can go with this. And for us, we looked at it and said, well, this can be the end. I could just break down. 
I could just give up and that could be the end. My wife, the same thing. Or we could take this opportunity and go, this wonderful little girl didn't have the opportunity to live a long life, but we do. So what are we going to do with it? And that's really what we did. We packed up our whole family. So we had two kids. We had another one almost right away afterwards. Packed up three kids into a van, went out to the West Coast and spent a year rediscovering ourselves, figuring out what's important in our lives. What is it that's going to drive us? How are we going to define ourselves? What are we going to do? What are we going to be? And from that point on, we never, we never allowed fear to get in our way. We never allowed a hardship or a trial to get in our way. We were just able to kind of look at everything in, in perspective of that and say, it doesn't get worse than this. It, it, it just can't. And so it was really, truly amazing to see how much something like that, that pain and that challenge, you feel it. Even now you feel it. And I, I hear it quivering a little bit, but it, it's that powerful thing that changes you so much from the inside and everything else just gets this beautiful perspective. And things that used to seem so massive are super small. And the things that were stopping you from just reaching out and doing something amazing, they're not there anymore. They just don't exist. It blows it out of the water. Yeah, man. And you know, what's crazy too, is you could, you'll probably agree with me is you always think this stuff can't happen to me. This stuff can't happen to me. Like this doesn't happen. This happens in the movies, but this happens. This just doesn't happen in our own backyard. And when that stuff happens to you, it's like, holy fuck, like this is bad. I mean, I dealt with suicides and cancers, same sort of thing that you think your whole life this is not going to happen. And then it does. And you're like, you're forced to be like, this has happened now. Like yeah. this is one of the worst things, if not the worst things that could happen. And it's crazy. The kind of energy, the power that it almost installs in you. Yeah. I tell people all the time, it's the single greatest thing that ever happened. Well, one of the single greatest things that ever happened to me. And I wouldn't wish it on another human being ever. <laughs> It is that odd balance of it completely defines you, it motivates you, and inspires you, it moves you, but at the same time, it is so crippling and heart-wrenching that yeah. it's kind of just this otherworldly experience until you hit something like that. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. And to the benefit of that adversity, when you face those adversities head on, it's amazing what you can face down the road. Because I think four years later, my wife had a an unfortunate circumstance where we had a miscarriage, but she nearly died. And for us, for most couples, again, that would shake you and rock you. And for us, it was, we can deal with this. We yeah. can overcome this. We can push through this. This is not going to cripple us. This isn't going to end us. And so now it's really amazing to see that not just your own adversity, but when you're out and you're listening to people's stories, you can relate. You can go, yeah, I know that pain. I know that yeah. maybe I'm not going through that same experience, but I completely get that pain and that anguish. But trust yeah. me, on the other side, there is this. There's opportunity. There's courage. There's just so many amazing things that are available to you now that you wouldn't have had if you had not gone through that trial. Yeah, I completely agree. Until you go through a circumstance like that. And how is that? How old were your other kids? Like, how did they, how did that affect the dynamic of the family? Because a lot of families would break apart and go and be in shambles from that. Right. And yeah. for those kids, depending on how old, I mean, that is a huge thing that's really installing strength into them at an early age, as well as you guys as parents. Yeah. How did that affect the whole dynamic of the family moving forward? I mean, 
our youngest before the the little girl who passed away was only 13 months. They were really close up together. So okay. she doesn't remember most of it. Right. Our, our other daughter was four at the time. And what blew us away was after the funeral, our daughter came up to us and everybody's crying, right? Everybody's a wreck. We're all bawling. This little girl's got a smile on her face. She mustn't understand what's going on. And she walked right up to us, looked us in the eyes and said, I am so thankful that God let her live so long. I have so many good memories of her. And like, oh, right in the heart. Like, you're just blown away, right? That this kid is hitting you with this wisdom out of nowhere. And to this day, she still clings to that. That idea of, I don't remember this as a travesty. Because the first thing that she did as a four-year-old was remember all the wonderful memories that she had of her sister. And for me, that, it just, oh, what a great way to deal with a trial or a hardship that you face like that of, yeah, yeah, things suck. But there were good times too. Like, it doesn't change anything. The world goes on, life goes on. There's still good things that can come out of hardship. Yeah, well, that just shows you guys as parents too, though. I mean, what you've installed. Because if she can look at something like that and take a positive out of it, I mean... (laughs) Think yeah. about it later in life, man, when you get thrown curveballs. I mean, that's – and, like, that kind of stuff they talk about from zero to eight, man. Like, you absorb everything. And we don't think that kids – we look at them like, oh, hi, little kid. We don't think that they're all there or something. We, we forget. I know I have. But they're listening and they're learning. Yeah. They can learn more than we can. Yep. Like, they remember everything. And it's, it's so – found that the effects that these things can have on their on their later on in life like the limited beliefs that they develop and all kinds of shit that's going on in our brain today were all installed before we were 10 years old yeah when when they've got that eyes wide open and the world is the limit like there's definitely something to that and we've got a pile of kids so for us we we're still in that mode right we've got seven kids so we still got them all along the way yeah, when you lose one, you keep making more because you just love them, right? Wow. Yeah, so we've got seven and number eight is on the way. Whoa, man. But they're all there still. They're all, and they've seen me being an entrepreneur this entire time. So three of them run their own businesses now at 14 and 10 and eight. Like they just, they've got a different view for sure. And it's a constant driver for me to comment things with that, that be open. See what's going to come of this. Don't come in with some preconceived notion that you know what it's about and you've got it all figured out. Instead, go in with eyes wide open and just like, what's awesome here? What's really great? What can I tap into and plug into and be a part of? And when you've got that mentality, it's really amazing to see life gets a lot more adventurous. So what kind of stuff are they doing for, for entrepreneur? My eldest daughter uh, was a published author at eight years old, and now she's moved on to being a graphite artist. So she's got a YouTube channel and an Instagram. She does all that, but she's committed. She puts in, I'd say probably 40 hours a week into graphite art. So she's going to be an artist. My other one ran a a cookie business. She just baked cookies out of the kitchen and went around the neighborhood selling them from uh, eight years old. Now she uh, works two dairy farms as an independent. She hires herself out. My eight-year-old now runs a scrap metal business. So she collects all the tins and scrap metal from the area and then brings it back to the deposit and collects the cash. But she got tired of doing that on her own. So now the arenas and the restaurants bring her their cans. So she just collects the money as they bring the cans. This is incredible. 
It's nutty. It's pretty nutty. So who's, who's got the entrepreneurial brains? You or your wife or both? I mean, you obviously do, but I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah. Mom teaches them. Mom's got the harder job by far out of the two of us. I just go to work in the morning, right? right. She homeschools all these kids and does all this stuff with them. Oh, so really? it's just like this. Yeah. It's this massive thing for her. But I think what they see is they know day to day, dad's not doing the same job. So when most dads come home, it's like, oh, dad had a job. He went off to it. He came home. That's it. With me, I could be doing a dozen different things in a day. And so for them, they see that same thing of, we're not going to fit into a box. That's not going to work. We kind of want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But being an entrepreneur lets you do that. Nobody's going to tell you you've got to be this. And that's what they want. That's all they've really seen. So that's what they want. And for us, I'm happy to encourage that. Yeah, I've, uh, I've seen some of that on Shark Tank, like some of these kids in the projects. And man, that, that fires me up. I just love to see that kind of innovation at that age because, I mean, the most I, I saw at that age was lemonade stands, you know, like, right. just selling some chocolates. But like the, the, the level that some of these kids are at now sounds like even your kids. That's, that's amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I show my kids stuff still where – it's great that they're doing that, but I show them videos of kids from India that are 10 and 11 years old building 3D printers out of junk scrap, right? And it's like, you guys, this isn't something special. This is happening all over the world. There's young people that are just plugging in and they're queued up and they're ready to go and the world's got to get out of their way. And you can be one of them or not, but that's up to you. That's not on mom and dad. That's you guys. You get to make that choice. And it's crazy to see how they run with it. If you get out of the way and you're like, you do whatever you want. You guys must have some crazy Christmases and, and holidays and just like tons of get togethers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It gets nutty. It gets real. nutty. <laughs> awesome, man. So maybe tell us now, cause you sound like, I kind of want to know like the nuts and bolts of what you do and, and sounds really, really amazing. And maybe how your entrepreneurial journey started and how it's kind of evolved into today, because now you're helping brands kind of become um, use the content and to become um, more authentic with what they have. And you obviously see an overload of content happening now and people doing things the right way and the wrong way. How yeah. has, how have you seen the change in your journey take place? And you know, what are some of the things that you notice right now? Yeah. So when, when I started as an entrepreneur, my training was in business systems, right? So really analytical, technical, this is how you build a business from finances to HR to safety to whatever, right? All of that really technical MBA kind of stuff. But after I, we went away, after my daughter had passed away and we went away and kind of revisioned things, what I realized was all the systems in the world can be in the right place, but if your people aren't in the right place, it's all going to go to hell. I could walk into a business that was making all kinds of money, six figures a year, but people hated being there. Customers weren't a fan of it. The people working there hated it. And so it didn't matter that the systems were all great because nobody enjoyed it. And what's the point? If everybody hates being there, who, like, why are we doing this? So over time, as social media developed, I went, okay, well, maybe it's about tools then. Maybe it's about having the right tools and making things easier. And that'll bring, you know, that change around where customers are happy and people are happy. And so I got into digital marketing and figuring out how social media worked and how businesses could leverage that. And probably about three, I guess I published my book in 2017. So 2016, I had that other moment where it clicked and it was, I guess it was right after my wife died or almost died. Didn't die. Wife almost died. I was going to say, <laughs> whoa, man. 
and no. where my wife almost died. After that, what I realized was people are really important. And it, it's, I say that and people go, oh yeah, yeah, sure. People are important, but it's undervalued. Our relationships as a business, whether it's with our customers or internally, that's what's going to make it or break it. That's where the joy is going to come from. That's where the innovation is going to come from. Every major business successor story is built and founded on the people that they had relationships with from the beginning straight through to the end. If you were to tap Warren Buffett on the shoulder and say, how did you get to where you are? He's going to tell you the stories of people that affected his life along the way, right? And so for me, I, having that realization, I went, okay, I know the brick and mortar of a business. I know that. I know all the tools that are out there. But somewhere along the way, people forgot people. They forgot conversations and relationships and community and how important that is. And so I started to work with that idea of forget ethics. Let's talk about relationships inside business. Can a brand build a relationship with their consumers, with industry, with large digital communities? Is that possible? And the answer is yes. More and more as I played with that, not just with my own business, but some of these bigger businesses, I realized everybody out there is looking for this. They want that genuine connection, that genuine relationship. So what I do now is when I go in, a lot of people go, oh, you're, you're a content marketer. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that with you at all, actually. I'm going to tell your team they need to create content, but that's not what I do. As a consultant, I come in and I work with the executive and I say, who are you? If your brand has a personality, if it has a persona, what are your passions? What are your hatreds? What are the biases that you have? What, what are your ethics? What do you feel? What do you, what do you believe in? Where are your passions? And when you go into a brand with that, they'll look at it and they'll at first kind of be like, oh, what's going on here? But after they start to wrestle with that a little bit, you see them really take shape and they mold these businesses. And then the content that they're creating shifts as well. It stops being the, well, what does the algorithm want? How do we properly manipulate this for keyword data? And all of that manipulation goes out the window and they start to produce this content that just comes from the heart. You can, it's got a, a different vibe and feel to it. So that's what I do with brands now is I go in and I say, what are you about? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? Who are you serving? What's your community? How do we engage them? And then I work alongside the brand and the teams and that's everybody, accounting, tech, marketing, advertising, sales. It doesn't matter which department. Everybody's got to be on board with what that is. And as you go out and you're working inside the company with other employees so the employee experience or the customer experience, that starts to resonate from them. It starts to become this, this ethos of this is who we are and what we're passionate about. And no two brands are the same, right? Just like no two people are the same. Each brand has its own persona and it's very unique. And once they grab that, it's crazy to see how quickly they take off and the directions that they head in. We were talking about how kids are kind of amazing when they open their eyes and the world's the limit. I find when you go into a brand and you help them rediscover themselves like this, it's the same thing. They just get lit up and sky's the limit. They can, they feel empowered to just be themselves. It's really liberating. Yeah. So would you say the number one thing you see as people doing it wrong? Well, actually, what is the number one thing you see people doing wrong? Is it not being themselves? Or- yeah, it's, it's fear. I think it's genuinely fear. So when you do traditional marketing, let's say, which is you use a billboard, whether it's in a magazine or TV or paid ads on social, you're using a billboard. That's what it is. There's no relationship with a billboard. There's no conversation, which is very safe and it's very easy to do. And the billboard's never going to have its feelings hurt. And that's really easy to do and safe Mm -hmm. to do. The issue with relationship marketing is it's dangerous and it's got a little risk to it because 
you never know how a million people out there on social media are going to take something. You could put out a real genuine, heartfelt, true to your persona piece of content and somebody somewhere, it may rub them the wrong way. Not intentionally, but it may. And that risk is always there. So instead of you creating a top 10 list of whatever that nobody cares about, you can create a powerful piece of content that you care about and it may hurt somebody or rub somebody the wrong way. And now you've got to deal with that as a brand. So that's where I think a lot of people have this fear and trepidation of if we're transparent and we're authentic, people are going to see us for who we are. Yeah. And for me, the answer is, yeah, that's what you want. People want to engage with a brand that's open and honest. When Nike put out that Colin Kaepernick ad that just, it rocked everybody. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they speaking into this? And for me, it was, everybody should be standing up and applauding. Here's an international brand with only something to lose on this. They're not going to gain fans by doing this. But instead of them having a massive blowout, everybody who aligned with that, that just do it mentality went, hell yes. Yeah. That's exactly who we are and what we're about. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of masks people are wearing, you know, trying to be somebody they're not or trying to live up to. We're living in a world where there's just information overload and influencers and whatever. So you see somebody being successful. So people are trying to copy or trying to, but Gary V is Gary V. Grant Cardone is Grant Cardone. You'll never be another one of them, you know? And they don't want you to be. No, exactly. <laughs> it's I, like, I love, they go out there and everybody, oh, everybody wants to be Gary V now. He wouldn't want that. He'll no. tell you to your face. Yeah. Go be you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about, but that's the thing is it's fear too. People are scared to be themselves because they're afraid it goes deep, man, not being loved, you know, that they're not enough. It's like a deep thing. And, and you really notice that Facebook as well and comparing yourself to other people and you see somebody doing well and you think that, I don't know, you can't be like them or whatever it is. And it's a real problem, man. It's a real yeah. problem out there. And I mean, that's why the first step that I take with anybody is we craft that persona. Because yeah. when you know who you are, All of those fears of you having to be somebody else go away. When you make a company sit down and go, what's at your heart? What are you passionate about? Who do you serve? Yeah. When you answer those questions, honestly, as a brand, all of that, I've got to be like somebody else goes away because you realize how freaking awesome your business is, your community is. And all of that white noise out there about influencers and multi-million dollar ad budgets, that looks really small, really quick. Yeah. So how can somebody just listening right now, because I'm sure people are wanting to kind of get out of that fear. How can they today go out and, you know, without having a huge company, but just go out and just be themselves and try and work towards getting rid of that mask, you know, just in Facebook or whatever, what can somebody do on a daily basis to maybe improve and go in a better direction? Daily basis, a a simple tool I can give you for a daily basis uh, as a business owner or an entrepreneur. If you head to chapters, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, whatever, you'll find books that have a, it's like a thousand questions about yourself. Okay. And these are self-help books. And I'm not meaning to be corny with you on this, No. but the reality is pop that sucker open and answer 50 questions a day. 
I've got one in the corner of my office here. It's a thousand questions. I went through that in a week. And you just plow through it, answer the questions. And as you define yourself, and you can do it for your brand. It doesn't have to be personal. You can do it for your brand, but define it for your brand. And some of it's going to be funny, right? What's your brand's favorite ice cream flavor? I don't know, chocolate. <laughs> but the reality is, as you yeah. go through that and you define that brand and persona, just with simple questions, it starts to take on a life of its own. And as you bring that life into engagement, into relationship and conversation, digitally or in the real world, so we're talking brick and mortar or social media or your content, any of it, right? As that brand takes on that personality, other people around you are going to start to relate to it. They're going to go, hey, we love chocolate ice cream too at Wendy's. You should be with us. Mm -hmm. And all of these things start to piece together. And eventually what you're going to find is instead of you looking out at the world and saying, oh, I've got to be like them to fit in. Instead, you look out at the world and you realize the world appreciates you for who you are. Yeah. And you get more clarity as well. I mean, mm -hmm. all those questions is just, all it is, is mapping out exactly what you are and what you like and what you're, because if you don't do that, if you don't get clear, then you don't even know where you're going either. Right. Decision-making has got to be impossible. I, right. I honestly, when I come into a brand and I don't have this defined for the life of me, I can't figure out how you make a decision. If you don't know who you are and what you want, how do you know where you're going? Whether you're the executive or the entry-level executive assistant at the front door, if you don't know what the brand is about, how do you know what you're doing? Yeah, it's definitely something you just have to define for sure. How, how important is for entrepreneurs having like a routine and, and actually setting goals? And yeah. you know, maybe for you, maybe what, what's a good way for somebody to map out their vision or their goals or just with routines, anything that you can recommend that has been useful for you? The biggest thing I can recommend is be intentional. Okay. And, and whatever you choose to do, do it with purpose and be intentional. So for me, I get up at 4.30 in the morning to start my work day. Okay. And that's so that I've got an hour. I read scripture. I pray. I get to work. I read self-help books. That, I've got an hour for myself. And then at 5.30, I hit the ground running, right? And I've got all of that sharpening that I've done for myself fueling me to head into the day. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm not, a, this isn't me on a, on a pedestal advocating 4.30 a.m. wake up calls and you, you praying and hitting scripture. And that's not this. What I'm saying is you need to be intentional with your time and what you do. Yeah. Too many people go, well, I'm going to sleep until eight o'clock and then rush to work. All right. What if instead you woke up at six, hit the gym for an hour, sharpened yourself for an hour, and then went to work revved up and ready to go. Yeah. Right. So many people say, I don't have the time to improve myself, but if I check their Netflix history, they just binge watch the latest series of 30 hours. And it's like, that's 30 hours that you could be defining yourself. So I've got nothing against Netflix. No, no, no qualms about Netflix. It's there. It is what it is. But be intentional with your time. Be intentional with what you're doing. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I mean, this even being the show, University of Adversity, to get through this shit, you got to be you got to be stable. You got to be programmed. You got to be ready to face things. And how you do that is start, it starts with your waking up in the morning. Yeah. You know, everything starts from your, when you wake up first thing in the morning. And you know what? It's funny you say that because I've been trying to think about and pinpointing for me where it all begins and why some days I have more discipline than others. And it's always the same thing. If I can get up at four thirty, five thirty. I, you know, map out even for four hours, like to get a bunch of stuff done that is like non-negotiable. The whole day 
just flows. Yeah. And how are you going to be able to take on haters or hard work or tasks or things that get thrown at you when you're prepared? You're going to be, you're going to take it on. You're going to, you're going to take it in stride rather than, rather than, you know, being flustered and you didn't get, you didn't, you slept in, you didn't get what you want to do done in the back of your mind. You know, you didn't do it. And then all these things come at you and it's just a snowball and your day turns to shit. I mean, yeah. we've all seen it, right? Yeah. By, by the time most of my, my, my clients and my acquaintances get up, it's 9am Eastern standard time, right? Yeah. I've already been up for four and a half hours. Yeah. I've knocked out half a day. Like, yeah. And it's, it's so important to getting through the challenges and struggles that you take that time. And yeah. And that's the beautiful thing too, is that, you know, so many people I talk to, it's, it's, you know, they, they pray or it's gratitude or it's meditation or whatever you believe when you want to connect with, it's amazing. And that's why it's, it's such an awesome thing. But there's the general consensus that the successful people can be intentional with their time and they realize the importance of owning the morning because you own the day, own the morning, you own your life. And yeah. I think it was Tim Ferriss that said that too. You know, yeah. Tim Ferriss is a big guy on, Seth Godin does the same thing. Yeah. Meditation is key for him in the morning. Yeah. So whatever your bag is, but no two people are exactly the same. You shouldn't yeah. be. You've got to find what works for you, but yeah. please don't just piss your time away. Yeah, be intentional totally. with it. Yeah. It's so easy. And, and that's the thing with the Netflix and stuff and the distractions. It's so easy. And I'm the same. I think if you, you can have a good productive day, you know, reward yourself, whatever, do what you want with your Netflix time or whatever. Like I'm the same as what, you know, definitely I don't knock it, but I try not to watch it too much either because I find myself, man, I should be reading a book right now. What am I doing? This show doesn't, I've already seen this suits episode or something, you know? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, it's so easy to be a zombie and you know, sit there and uh, when you could be reading and doing stuff. And, and that's the difference that those are the small choices in your day that set you. Yeah, the, the distractions can be unreal. And yeah. I, I still tell people for, so I've been a digital marketing consultant for 10, 15 years now. I didn't own a smartphone until two years ago. Wow. And I still am not a huge fan of them, but yeah. it's just a reality with my traveling that I got to have one. Yeah. But wherever I am, that sucker has notifications turned off because the people that I'm with and what I'm doing now is what I'm doing. And, and that's what deserves my attention and focus and time. When I'm on LinkedIn to do LinkedIn, that's what I'm doing. I don't yeah. piss around on Twitter or anything else. I focus to what I'm doing and I'm intent and I'm driven to get done what I'm doing. And what I found is really important when you do that, when you get rid of those distractions, people start to feel that you're invested in them. Yeah right? I see people go into business meetings and they've got their phones out while they're talking to clients or while they're talking to coworkers. And I'm thinking, what value are you showing that, that relationship? What value are you showing that person that you can't put your phone down for 15 minutes or a half hour or yeah. an hour? Like the distractions will kill you. The lack of intent will bury you. You just, it's not going to work for you. It won't. And that's so important. I love that. Intention is everything. What, what have been out of the companies you work for or that you've helped out, which, you know, what has been the most impactful or what have you learned? Like which company that you worked with, have you learned the most from? And you kind of walked away being like, wow, that was, that was awesome. Or, or they do something really special that, that I didn't know about, or, you know, some sort of lesson that you learned. So, I mean, I've worked with big brands yeah. and honestly, the two biggest companies that have blown me away, one I'm working with now and one I've worked with for 
almost 10 years now. Yeah. The one for 10 years, they're a company called Zipline Gear out of the West Coast. Okay. okay. I'm in the West now, Coast. What it was, was a guy that decided he loved Ziplines, put together a bunch of pieces and started to put them into boxes and mm. sell them to his neighbors. Then he sold them to the state. Then he sold them nationwide. Now he sells them internationally. And he just had a passion for a hobby. And everybody kind of laughed at first. And he went, no, you guys miss it. I love this. And I'm going to do it the rest of my life. And now he's just blown it up into this multi-million dollar business. He's selling zip lines to families all over the world. And that's his day. He does zip lines for a living. And so for me, that was, he's always this reminder of, if you love something, just do it. If I'm looking at my day and I'm dreading going into it, Mondays kill me. They just rip me apart because you'll go on social and you'll see people in the dredges. Oh, Monday. Oh, it's so awful. But then you look at the people that are firing off, right? The people that, oh, I want to be like, and they all greet Monday with, this is awesome. I can't wait to hit it. It's going to be amazing. So Zipline Gear is really the company that's done that for me where their CEO and their owner both have that mentality of, if you love it, do it, just go. The company I'm working with now uh, just recently became the CXO of Phoenix Factor and Brandy Holloway is the CEO and she just has this vision to help women, to empower them as entrepreneurs and forget all this bullshit about the black feeling for women. She just wants to get rid of it. She's just going to blow through it and she's going to take as many women with her as she possibly can. And so again, it's kind of fun being the guy that's there surrounded by all these powerful women and going, holy crap, when you have this hunger to just rip down whatever's in your way, the things that start happening are unbelievable. Yeah. And so often we grow complacent with, well, this is just the way things are. I've, I've hit a barrier and that's the way it is. And I have to accept that because the world is the way it is. But then I see these powerful women go, screw that. Yeah. We are going to shred that glass ceiling and we're going to be whatever the hell we want to be because we can. So those two brands for sure, they drive me. So what would you say is the thing that really makes, separates a winner and a loser business then? Would it be clarity or, or would it be attitude or? Heart. Heart. It's heart. It comes yeah. back to that persona thing again, right? Yeah. When, when you know your passion, when you know your heart, yeah. it, come hell or high water, you're going to go for it, right? Yeah. And you want a, a human tradition, a human experience, instead of just some guy on a podcast telling you, take a look at every major revolution, at every major change in history. It happened because a group of guys or a group of women got passionate about something. And they said, I don't care how big the thing is in my way, I'm going through it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a valuable lesson, man. Um, and it's just so true because people are so afraid to do what it is they want because they're told it's not the right thing to do. Or, you know, I remember being told, Oh no, go not to take anything away from tradesmen. I think they're awesome. And I got lots of friends that do it, but I'm 35. When I was coming out of school, it was all the baby boomers are retiring. Everybody going to a trade and I never wanted to go into a trade. I don't want to do that stuff, man. And I just really always believed. I was like, I, I don't want to just do something because it seems like the easy, the right thing to do because there's lots of jobs. And I feel like a lot of people are programmed to just do that thing. That's it'll pay the bills. It'll be enough. Fine. You know, but they don't want to really follow. It is what they want because they know that it's, it's out of the box and it may 
you may go through shit and you may fail. That's what most people are afraid of. Yeah. And so failure kills me. And it really is a, a defining moment. You'll know as an entrepreneur, when you hit it, you'll have failed enough when you hit the point where you're looking forward to the next failure. Because honestly, I always have this quote on, on my mind. It's Winston Churchill. Okay. So here's a guy that pushed through Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. those who are successful simply move from failure to failure without losing momentum. That's solid. So and, true. And it's just that it's like, okay, how many times as an entrepreneur, do you feel like you tripped and stumbled? Well, sure. But you got two things you can do. You can hit the ground and cry about it, or you can just keep stumbling forward. Yeah. <laughs> just keep yeah. Going. You're already yeah. falling. You might as well keep going. Yeah. You got to dance with it, man. Awesome, man. I, uh, I want to make sure we can all find you. Where, where, where's the best spot to find you? Let's get you plugged in here. Uh, millennialmotivator.ca is the website. So okay. just refurbish that. That's up and ready for you. Awesome. And if you want to catch me on video or have one of those conversations I'm talking about, yeah. you can find me on Twitter. You search okay, Millennial awesome. Motivator, you'll find me. Awesome. And are you, what about other social media? Can we find you as well? You'll find me, but you won't get to have a conversation. Okay. So Twitter, Twitter, almost every post that has me tagged in Twitter gets a video reply from me. Awesome, man. That's great to yeah. know. And uh, yeah, we'll have all that in the show notes. That's, that's great. I always ask one thing before we wrap it up here, man. And I know there's probably a lot of things that we touched on, but what's the one thing that you could give to everyone listening to overcome adversity to go on to experience a better quality of life or get through the challenges that they, they're facing? Man, I'm glad you finished it up with an easy question. Um, <laughs> uh, I know, right? Okay, so I'm going to cheat. Sure. I know this is cheating, but I'm going to give you two, okay? Yeah. The first one is you're good enough. Yeah. And not enough people hear that, and it's true. Your business, your brand, you, you're good enough. Nobody's told you that lately. You are. Period. The other is you've got permission to go do it, okay? So many people are waiting around for somebody to tell them, yeah, it's okay. You can go do it. You've got my permission. So if you're hearing this right now, and you've been humming and hawing about pursuing something and fears getting in your way, you have my permission. If anybody asks why you're doing something totally batshit crazy, Dan told you to, okay? <laughs> you have my permission. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. And it's so true. There's not going to be somebody being like, hey, hey, little Johnny, you can do it. Like, it's time to start. It's like, you got to take that initiative. You get that permission. And it's, it's, it's so important to have that. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on, stopping by, hanging out with us. It's been a blast. Yeah, bro. Thanks so much, everybody. Make sure you check them out. We'll have all the stuff, Dan Willis's information in the show notes. He's an awesome guy doing amazing things. Can't wait to see your journey in the next, uh, in the next year, man. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Hope you guys liked that. I loved recording it. Great guy. Make sure you check him out. Really valuable and he's making a big shift in the world. And I just love how he's helping teach his kids how to be entrepreneurs as well. So if you got value from that, go and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you thought. Love and appreciate all you guys. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.